are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you are interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. This Digital Noise episode also is a video version for subscribers at the brown coat level or above. Become a subscriber and get the extended video version. Time for Digital Noise! You know you love it with the Digital Boys. We're here to entertain you! None of that rhymed. It wasn't appropriate at all. Like, sometimes we come into this thing singing. Oh, we do? More than than once, Aaron and I have just, like, sort of, like, free jazzed into it with, like, Digital Noise. Bo. 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 Digital noise, noise. Uh, bo, yeah. bo. It's the digital, digital boys. boys. Are you yeah. scat? Come on, scat. Scooby doo 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 That's the good stuff, Daddy. Good job, kitty cat. Hey, that's right. If you listen to other Screener Squad reviews or highly suspect reviews, you may have heard them on some of those or seen them in some of our videos, but you've never seen them on digital noise before now. He is the latest addition to our lineup. No, nobody's leaving. We just are starting to get enough stuff that it was like, we need to have another member here. And Wright was literally the first person I thought of. I was like, you know who'd like this? I bet you Wright would like this. And you know what? I asked you and you were like, uh... Yeah, I'd like that. I would. And you know what? This is my last episode. Thank you so much. I uh, <laughs> After watching some of these movies today, I found out exactly what this is. And I was like, oh, no. It's the, yeah. the Job uh, uh, meme just coming to life. It's like, I've made a huge mistake. It's not a monkey's paw, I swear. You just <laughs> and I, I felt so bad because... Like, usually, you know, at worst, when I hand one of you guys a stack of movies, uh-huh. it's a mix of stuff that's like, oh, this stuff is fantastic, and there's a couple clunkers in it here. Is, it's definitely we, a mix. Yeah, uh, but this one was... It's an unbalanced mix. It's a, definitely... It's definitely tended- more of a a, a bad, a, a very uh, lofty bad uh, mix of movies, uh, with a few gems, um, yeah. like two. Gem... Jim, Jim's that you find in a trash heap that you're just like, well, this is better than the garbage over there. So I guess this is better. Uh, Jim's like the infinity stones in Loki. Oh, the guys use them as paperweights over here. (laughs) That's what I'll do with some of these movies, the criterions and all. (laughs) I felt bad because I'm like, it's his first show and I'm handing him some of the trashiest craziest shit and i'm like i don't know if he's ready for this hey look i do another whole show dedicated just to trash and like this is definitely up my alley and some of it here's the thing i did actually enjoy or at least like appreciate some of the crap 
that we did watch. Cause you Fair get, enough. you get to see some of these independent filmmakers really try their damnedest with some like, you know, halfwit, uh, special effects and practical effects. And I saw some of the behind the scenes stuff. I was like, Hey, I, I see what you're doing over there. And you know, it's turns out like crap, but I mean, as like, I, I appreciate it at least. Well, yeah, your podcast, Trash in the Can, which yes. I think we're working on bringing over to one of us. Is that yeah, still happening? That, yeah, yeah, okay. we're working on it right now. We just, okay. we got to stop using copywritten music. <laughs> yeah, yes, you do. <laughs> but, uh, great show. Thank yeah, you. And you cover, I, that's one of the reasons I was like, he's perfect for this because he likes really good stuff, but he also can, like, is not going to be like, I can't watch this with Trash because you chose to do it. Right. Yeah. I, I, I get off on, on watching trashy movies sometimes. And, and it's only when they're boring is when it's really, really bad. It is not worth it. And you're just like, Oh, fuck. What are we doing? But if it's having a good time and if they're earnest and they just still flat, you know, fall flat on their face, that's when you're like, okay. There's something special here because they, they gave a damn, but they still look like a fucking idiot. And I can't promise any of the trash we're talking about this week is going to be of that quality. Oh, I didn't say that. Qual- I didn't good say quality. that at all. <laughs> but, but uh, I did feel terrible because I just handed off Aaron, one of our other guys, a stack. Mm-hmm. And it literally is not picked by who's on it. I mean, every once in a while, there'll be something that's so specific to their taste. I'm like, we got to slide that into them. Like, I had to give him the Damagen series because he loves all that kaiju stuff. And oh, I know sure. it by heart. Yeah. But, like... It's just by date of release. Like, okay, I got this many movies and that guy, whoever's next gets that stack. And with you, it was just bad luck. And with him, literally every movie in the stack was like amazing. <laughs> and it was like, well, now I feel even shittier about it. Well, now you just keep on going stack. on about it. Just tell them like, oh, everyone else gets the same kind of garbage stuff as you. He's like, oh, okay, good. <laughs> that, that makes me feel a bit better. Thanks. I'm glad it to happens. be here, Chris. It'll go full circle. You'll get a stack that's like, oh, my God, everything was great. And Aaron will be like, what the fuck is this shit you just handed me? (laughs) Trust me. We had to balance it. Sorry. My favorite is that there's like when there's critics are like there's certain things that they just can't deal with in horror movies. They'll be like, oh, like I think with him, like I shit is a big deal. Oh, sure. Yeah. And I'll I'll be watching one that I know because of the order release will probably go to him. And I'll be like, (laughs) (laughs) he will will love the eye pooking. (laughs) Evil son of a bitch. Yeah. Anyway, check out his show Trash in the Can. But right now, check out Digital Noise. And we're going to get right into it with our first one of the aforementioned trashy horror films. (laughs) Yeah. Strap in. There's going to be a few of these. Yeah, with Baphomet, like it, directed by Mathan Harris. And I just got to say, although he's not the star of it, I got to say it does have a strong appearance, like a, a reoccurring appearance in here by singer Danny Filth, uh, who is the lead member of the band Cradle of Filth, who I didn't realize had a five octave vocal range until I looked him up. I was like, wow, that's like Mike Patton level of singing right there. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, he plays Lon Carlson. Which one was he? Was he the He's son? He's the guy who's the good witch that they get to help them. Oh, that guy. Okay, so yeah. I, I, okay, when I watch a bad movie, I'm like, I'm just kind of sucked into the whole just atmospheric, just everything that's going on. And I didn't know if there's like, 
is that guy really like a famous author and medium? And they just no. accidentally zoomed with him. And you're like, Hey, can you just be in this movie real quick? I didn't honestly know who the fuck he was. And it's just like, he, he's, he looks the way that he's acting is so poor that I, I genuinely thought like, Oh, he's just that one of those idiots that just say like, yes. And Baphomet's real. I mean, to credit to what you're saying though, he actually wrote a book called uh, The Gospel of Filth, co-wrote a book. Oh, which, really? Which is an occult book. And people were like, you're writing a Satanist book. And he goes, no, I'm not a Satanist. I'm a Luciferian. I don't know what that means. But, you know, it it seems to fit his role in this particular movie. Yes. Right? It, it, it would. Because <laughs> he, he is someone who comes in to try to, like, steer people right. Like, well, this is the kind of shit you have to look out for with – uh, I guess they're Satanists. Is that a thing to say? I mean, it's Baphomet, which is, you know, I mean, there's a, I mean, look up Baph, literally Wikipedia Baphomet, B-A-P-H-O-M-E-T. And there's a long, confusing history about Baphomet worship, how he's fit into Aleister Crowley's Golden Dawn and William Blake and all that shit. He's, I mean, it's all bullshit, but at least <laughs> in, in my in my humble opinion, but like a major part of like cultist and, and occult lore, no question, but it just yeah. depends on who's talking about him. For some Baphomet is actually a God that is more like he's dark, but he's not evil. Yeah. He's just, he, I, I see what you're saying though. Like he's not, ma- uh, you know, malicious or anything. He's just, he's just there. He's just, he's the opposite end of like uh, the light. Let's say. Yeah, but he is in this movie. I think it, what yeah. was it? Uh, uh, the Clyde Barker adaptation, uh, uh, Night something. Oh, um, uh, Nightbreed. Nightbreed. Yeah. I believe he was the god that the, the mutants. That That's right. The monsters all worshipped. Yeah. That's Baphomet. Yeah. That's right. Which, in that particular movie, the monsters are the good guys. So Right. Uh, so now I'm just confused because I go by Nightbreed lore. And so yeah, I, just, I don't I don't get what the fuck they're talking about. I was like, wait, 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 what's going on? Uh, so this this is released by Cleopatra Entertainment, which pretty much everything they put out has at least some sort of musical angle. Like they're this weird company that will put out a Blu-ray with like like of a film you've never heard of that's totally trashy as fuck, but it comes with the CD soundtrack. Oh, did <laughs> it know? really? Yeah, I don't know if this one did. It may not have, but all their m- movies always have some tie to music, whether it's like about a musician or uh-huh. it's like has a famous musician in the soundtrack or it's literally just there because a musician was deeply involved in the making of it. They're like really into like metal and punk and all that. And despite the fact that companies like this that have existed before have largely put out a lot of trash and to be fair, so is Cleopatra. Every once in a while, they come out with a total, like, you know, gem in the rough. I don't think Baphomet's that, but it's not yeah. totally awful either. I mean, the story here follows a family that, like, I, I did they say it was, uh, it was Northern California. Mm-hmm. Right. But it feels like Texas the whole time. It does. It does. <laughs> I think even yeah. some of them have a, like a, an accent too. And, and I, I was kind of confused of like where the hell they're supposed to be. And then right. you see, oh, there's a beach. You're like, oh, okay. So it's a family that's a successful family with a big ranch in Northern California. I'm not sure exactly Texas. where. And uh, a satanic cult or a Baphomet cult want to buy it from them and they're willing to do whatever. And 
they're like, when the family's like, no, the, the, the patriarch's like, I have no interest in selling. They're like, well, that just won't do. So <laughs> Baphomet's displeased loose, as it were. And as kind of generic as the basic thing can, like, like we previously mentioned, Danny felt is like the good witch that they reach out to, to try and help them at some point. It's kind of a generic plot it's not a complex story but they do throw in shit that's so fucking wacky and gonzo that i was like i gotta give this movie points there's a fucking shark attack death in a movie that doesn't feel like it should have a shark attack at all in it no that that plays out later in the film like the character involved in that in such a bizarre way that i was like you know this may not be good but you have my attention it had, you know, I, here's what I'll say about most of the movies. Most of the movies on here actually had my attention. And again, this is one of those that was at least trying. And I would say it was trying on the practical effects side. Like yeah. they, they had a couple of guys like, Hey, okay, we're going to make a horror movie. What's it about? And, uh, I was like, okay, so we're going to make a horror movie and we're going to like build a couple of, you know, uh, Baphomet. What's, what's that? Like, it, it doesn't matter either. And we're going to have a lot of like a couple of gory, bloody scenes. Like, is it going to look good? It's like, oh, we got a nice camera. So it's definitely going to look good. That was about it. That was about yeah. the, the thought process that went into this movie. Cause really, all this movie is about is land dispute. <laughs> like, yeah. Kind of like in the end too, I was just like, Oh, so the cultists had, can we spoil stuff on the show? It doesn't really matter. I don't even know. I mean, let's not go to spoiling the ending of something, but we're a little sure. more permissive. Yeah. But like, that's really what this is all about is that they just like, Oh, we need this piece of land to raise Baphomet. And like, Oh, Okay, is that all this is? It's like, yeah. And yeah, they just go to you know, great lengths to to do all these things and it, it, the some of the gory stuff is not too shabby. Uh like some of it actually reminded me of uh oh, what's the 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 director's name that like it's that famous um scene where the woman just starts like coughing up her like uh, uh organs. Oh, City of the Living Dead. Yeah. There's there's a scene like towards the end where a guy like basically ends up doing that. It's like, "Oh, I see you." Baphomet, okay. Like, it's not... No, there's a, there's a decent amount of gore, and the gore is not terrible it's at not all. terrible. I mean, it's largely practical. There's a few annoyingly CG, like, scenes that should just be a squib, but they're not. And you're like, why is that? Why? You, you did practical. Why would you? Why would you? I, I guess to, to reshoot it as easy as possible. Like, that stuff, I have never understood... Um, uh, CG bullets and like squibs and stuff like that. It, it just always looks it, terrible. It always, always looks so bad. I mean, the first time I really saw it was in, and I know it's not the first time it's ever been done, but really paying attention to it in the expendables, the first yeah. one. And I was like, what the fuck is Dude, this? That is literally what killed that movie was oh, yeah. that super cheapo. Cause I would have been like, Oh, this is fun. If they had like actually had like, Stuff that looked like people were actually getting shot in it. Anyway, we're not going to go off on the Expendables. That's a whole other... Yeah. Can we just talk about the Expendables instead? <laughs> no. I mean, I could. <laughs> what I remember of it, which is not much. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so we're going to move on from this. I'll just say, I think we both said, like, you know, if you're a fan of Cradle of Filth, you should watch this probably. It has a halfway decent score as well. Um, there's some decent gore in it. It's a very rote 
plot. It has a lot of like, what moments in it? And some moments that are like, what the fuck moments, which are the ones I always enjoy. Yeah. Overall, it's just okay. And there's a lot of bonus features with the set here as well. Like 13 and a half minutes of deleted and extended scenes. Yeah. Six six and three quarters minutes of outtakes. There's a backstage interview with Danny Filth about the film. There is the music video from a band called Tank featuring Danny Filth. There's behind the scene photos, character art, storyboards. I mean, they Cleopatra, say what you will about them and their very specific tastes in film releases. They always pump out lots of bonus features on these things, and this is no exception. So if you're interested, hey, it's a movie that maybe is for you. <laughs> it's just a movie that exists. <laughs> it's like, that's the most we could say about it. It's like, hey, and Baphomet, that's a film. And then we have Face of the Devil. Okay. Now... I have to admit, I kind of liked it. Because oh, really? Okay, so this was DVD only, for the record. This, Yeah, this is DVD only, and this was released uh, a few years back. Like, uh, was it 2014, 2015, something like that? Um, and, 2014 was the original release date. And this is a, a Spanish film. <laughs> and it is... It's a, a, a very, uh, like mundane plot where a group of friends are going out on vacation in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, they get, then get haunted by, oh, what is it called? I forget now. It's, uh, the, the, the thing. That, so it's Peru. Oh, it's right? a Peru. Okay. Yeah. It's a Peruvian film. Yeah. Uh, 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 originally called La Cara del Diablo, which is, I think they should have just stuck with that, quite frankly. But mm -hmm. I mean, I don't even know if that translates exactly, but it's like the rainforest and friends who let's take a trip into the middle of the rainforest and, and in an Airbnb in the middle of the fucking jungle, which sounds like a terrible idea. It's a terrible. There's mosquitoes. No, no, thank you. Yeah. 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 And there, there is an evil presence around it because there is a, a, a very nefarious looking guy who is running the Airbnb who's like evil immediately. He's just like, you go to that room and I'm like, okay. And, uh, it's like, he's just like immediately bad sounding. And like, he just like, he's look, he's eye fucking everyone. He, and he is just, he's looking at the main, uh, lead actress who is coming from a very overbearing father. And you're like, why is that happening? Why is he so reluctant for her to like go in, out on vacation with her friends and her boyfriend? I'm like, Oh, she's a, you know, a very, uh, um, you know, sweet woman and, you know, she, oh, she's just, they're just like graduating high school or something like that. Right. Or maybe it was college. I don't know. I mean, they're just, I don't know. They're the, the kids. He's overprotective. She has to fight for even to go out there with yeah. the boyfriend. They all want to party, but she's still the innocent one. It's a setup for a slasher film, right? Totally. And, but there's an evil presence in the jungle. And Tunche. that's what it was. There it is. Uh, and you're like, Oh, because, you know, we've seen hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of horror movies and slasher movies. And it's kind of the Scooby-Doo idea. Like, well, it's not going to be the actual evil, evil presence. It is just right. f like broadcasted like crazy. Oh, it's the Airbnb host. He's the one who's going to be killing everyone. Well, maybe there is actually evil out there. Now, I kind of liked everyone in this. Like, I kind of dug the the dynamic between the couples. Granted, I have to admit, this was the first one I watched. And <laughs> you were and so excited to watch one. I was You're so like, excited to watch one. I was like, I'll save nobody for later. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I was kind of excited to watch this. And 
I didn't think that they were that bad. I thought that it, again, it was like uh, a very, it, it felt like a student film, like a student yeah. feature film where they got together with their friends. There's like no money. There's nothing in this movie. Like no. they found this place wherever the hell it was. And they just said, okay, just be sexy and then sort of scream every now and then. You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and that was about it. And it, like, it all kind of worked well. I mean, some of the, the, like, the death scenes were just like, they're being drug away, but the, you know, yeah. they have literally $2 for the budget and like it worked enough for it, uh, at least in my eyes. Now, some of the, the CG stuff where there's some evil presence that takes away people, I'm like, Ooh, that was not good looking. I, I wish, I wish it was just more of like the cutaways that they've done for other people rather than yeah. actually show sort of what was happening. And like, Oh God. Um, I don't know. I don't know, man. It didn't really work for me. I'll be honest. I don't think the cast was bad. They're a young, attractive cast and I don't speak Spanish. It's all, it's largely in Spanish, but mm-hmm. there's a, it goes back and forth. There's some English in there. Uh, and so it's subtitled. I just, found the whole thing so rote uh, there's some interesting stuff towards the end of it mm-hmm. but not enough where i was like oh yeah i could recommend this because i can't it, it's it's uh, and it also it does drag because since they're yeah. only in the one place excuse me that there's nothing else for them to like really do and yeah you know since and they're all okay here's the other thing too they're the only people at the airbnb so if someone goes missing let's say normally people are like where the fuck is chris and everyone else is like ah he's sleeping probably and like what <laughs> And uh, so you have to like take some logic out of it because you you know you can't really tell the time of day or like whatever. Yeah, if happening. I was missing in this situation, it'd definitely be like, "Where's Chris and his friend?" Be like, they're like, "Oh my god, what happened to them?" And meanwhile, we're like back in the back room of the bar of the place, like doing lines <laughs> or something. We're like, "Well, we just didn't invite. Oh, there was only this much. We, we didn't, really- didn't want to see the rest of you. This is how we're <laughs> telling you we don't like you people. There you go." So, I do not support the use of cocaine. Let me just say that <laughs> right now. But anyway, it does. We're not going to spend. We're not going to spend over long on Face of the Devil because. Oh man, I could talk about this for hours. Uh, I know. I have to push you along. We're already twenty-one minutes into this. We gotta fine, go. Fine. Gotta go to the one you really want to talk about, oh, which no. is H.P. Lovecraft's the Deep Ones. Oh now, my god! Look right. Uh, anything that says H.P. Lovecraft's. I know. I'll just say, okay, um, it doesn't matter how crappy it looks. I'll be like, sure, send it. I'll give it a shot. Oh. You know, this doesn't look good. It's like they're just putting it out on DVD, not even Blu-ray. Everything I'm seeing about this looks kind of like a experiment by a swinger party to make a movie. <laughs> That's exactly the- what this movie is. Am I wrong? It no. Looks like, you remember when they would do HBO Undercover? Yes. Like that show there would be like, oh, HBO Undercover Swingers. And you'd be like, oh my God, this is that. Where it's like all these old gross fucking people that like to take their clothes off and like one hot, overly muscled couple in the middle of them for some reason. And this is that movie. <laughs> HBO Undercover Lovecraft Edition. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I was saying earlier to you, uh, off mic is like, if you like Tentacle Hentai and Lovecraft, you probably won't like this. Uh, <laughs> this, this movie is really horny and yeah, and really gross. And 
upsetting. <laughs> I don't, who is this for? They're, that's the other thing too. This is not necessarily for like younger horror fans. And no. this has to be for like aging swingers who are like, Hey, I want to watch a horror movie. But not a good horror movie. Like, yeah, I don't want to watch a good horror movie. It's like, okay, that's very specific. And it's like, yeah, yeah. But, and, you know, in the middle of the orgy tonight, I want to put it on and I want to feel like it's going along with us. Like, hey, HP Lovecraft, the deep ones. There you go. Boom. Uh, it's, it's really bad. <laughs> and, and like, there's, there's some other things like, you know, again, I think about the practical effects is like, I see what you're trying to do, man. You just like are, it feels like they're just tumbling over themselves the entire time with any of the special effects. And also the actors, man, they are trying their damnedest too. And I saw some of the behind the scenes stuff, the lead actress played by, um, Gina La Piana. Oh my God. Mm. She, she's like going like full method towards one of like the more intense scenes, uh, towards the end. And I think you know what I'm talking about. And they had to like, you know, take her away, uh, like put a blanket on her. And she's like, don't talk to me. I can't do it. Don't, don't touch me. And uh, I'm just like, are you fucking serious? <laughs> it's like this bullshit. I, I just assume that some of these actors are like low rent porn stars, right? Watching this, they have to be. I, or like I, wa- ones that were 15 years ago. The main couple, <laughs> totally. Like, and I, and that sounds terrible. I'm basing, you know, judging, you know, based on their looks, but I am. Uh, and <laughs> acting ability. And, and acting ability. So I'm like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. Um, and everyone else in it. Let me just say what this is about. So Alex (laughs) and her husband Petri, they decide they're going to rent a place on a cliff, uh, like a Airbnb type thing. Uh, another Airbnb. I I don't even know. It's not clear how, why they're there or how long they're staying out. I think, isn't she pregnant? She's pregnant, right? No, no, no. She's not pregnant. No, she's not. That's right. Because they get there and the owner of the home, and his pregnant wife, Ingrid, Russell and Ingrid, show up immediately, go, oh, welcome, come on in. They kind of invite themselves onto their own house. And, okay. Uh, but it's clear something's wrong with these people. And, like, the, like, they wake up in the morning and they're already in the house cooking breakfast that something is weird in it. Yeah, but, yeah. And the husband immediately who eats it is like, uh, something, something's affected him. He's like hypnotized or some shit anyway the upshot is this is dagon if you've ever seen dagon no i I haven't seen it but i i know of it yes what is it what's the name of the original story something in's mouth i forget i don't know for sure i forget i'm blanking offhand but like it's been filmed more than maybe any other lovecraft adaptation yeah it's just a version that's like well let's like shuck all the uh stuff where this was supposed to be going and just stick with lots of booby shots. Uh yeah. Every every again, this is a very horny movie and everyone wants like wants to get nude in this and oh man, I just I feel this is one of those movies where I feel really bad for the actresses like god, I hope you got paid paid. I hope you got paid. <laughs> like that's all I hope. Like I hope well, you didn't do this for free. <laughs> There's so many questions I have. Like, there's a character comes in as a doctor, uh, played by an actor named Timothy Muscatel, okay, who is in drag, and I don't know what's going on there, and I don't want to judge, but it's just, why is it there? I don't know. I was very confused. I was very 
concern because I don't know what the movie was trying to tell me that this was a person that was transitioning or like what yes. I, I guess like I didn't, but see at the same time though, they've modulated the voice. So I thought it would like, they were also trying to do a joke. So then I was like, what is fucking happening? Like it was the most out of everything else in the movie. That was the most unnerving choice. <laughs> It was so fucking weird because I've seen him in something else and like he's he plays a normal person or normal man. And I was like, wait, what is going on here? Yeah, If you want if you want Lovecrafty stuff, if you like like it, like I and right do like this is not really aimed at fans of Lovecrafty stuff. This is aimed at fans who like, I think, I think. Like sex party S and M bonded shit. I mean, not totally. It's not like Clyde Barker or something. But no, it's like it's lazy a, sex parties. <laughs> yeah, it's like a weird mix of Lovecraft and and trying to be sexy, but it's just kind of disgusting. Like not in a like cool, gross out way, but in a like ooh, it's like stuff with like the, like I said, the pregnant woman is like tentacles coming out of her vagina and stuff. And yeah, like, eh, and, uh, I did I see some of the that. behind the scenes stuff of that. Like that poor special effects guy who him, him yeah. just trying his damnedest to think of what the hell to do like well we could just get some uh, tentacles and do this it's just like oh my god it's like that's the that's the idea and the director is like print it you're like oh man you're like you're not even fucking trying but i mean everyone else is like and that's what's so unnerving about again Another unnerving part about this movie is that you, when you watch behind the scenes stuff on this, which I highly, actually, I recommend watching that more than the movie because everyone feels like they're giving a damn. Like all the actors, especially, uh, Gina Lapiniana, uh, like she's just like, again, she feels like she's like method acting here. I'm like, ooh, no, 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 no. You're like, you know what this is called, right? And also it was like, and Dagon, well, I don't want to ruin the end or anything, but some of the, monster effects let's just say are just like something to be desired yeah yeah uh so there is as you mentioned some extra features here there's some deleted scenes there's a feature right in a behind the scenes video but i gotta be honest, i just can't recommend this thing it's like and even as like a diehard i'll watch anything with lovecraft influences in it Mm-mm. pass no all right, so we're going to move on to something, oh my God, that you might actually want to see and some other movies you might actually want to see with the, yes, Criterion release this week Ooh. called Pickup on South Street. This is a 1953 Cold War film noir written and directed by the great Samuel Fuller, who's done so many fucking amazing films over the years. And this is not one I was familiar with. I'd heard of it in passing but had never seen it. And I think part of the reason for that is because on its initial release, it was kind of panned. A lot of Samuel Fuller films were initially panned. Yeah. A lot of art critics have argued <clears throat> in terms of noir, he was super ahead of his time that like he would do stuff that people found very, a little too gritty and upsetting. And there's certainly stuff in this particular film that, you know, fall under that. And you've got Richard Widmark as your lead actor here. Who's, you know, kind of a legend, uh, you know, Academy Award winning nominee, Golden Globe winner, who has played a anti-hero or villain in any number of film noirs, but then later turned into a hero in Westerns and horror films, even if you will. But the story here follows a pickpocket 
Skip McCoy, played by Richard Widmark. And he steals a wallet from this woman named Candy, played by Jean Peters. And by the way, look up Jean Peters online on Wikipedia because she had kind of a fascinating life, but I'm not going to get into it now. Ooh. Anyway, uh, so neither one of them knew that in that is a microfilm of like really top secret stuff. Yeah. And she was delivering it as a favor to her ex-boyfriend, Joey, uh, played by Richard Kiley. She doesn't know that he's a communist spy. Right. He told her it's just it's stolen business stuff like it's it's uh, business espionage. She's, you know, I mean, she's kind of like a, a party girl, if you will. You know, she, she's not the brightest bulb in the house, but is essentially a decent person. And she what she doesn't know is that government agents have had her under surveillance who who are aware that something's going on with the communists here. And they want to they figure she's the one that will lead them to the center of the spy ring. But here's the thing. Skip is, I mean, he's a scumbag, but he doesn't want anything to do with communism, you know, <laughs> and right, he just right. doesn't know what's going on. And so this is a film noir where, like, everybody doesn't really know what's going on. Even Candy's boyfriend doesn't really know what's going on. Yeah. And a bunch of people who just are out for themselves outside of the communists in the film who are just like, hey, man, I'm just trying to steal shit from people and make some money. Is that so wrong? <laughs> so there's no real good people in this movie. Even the cops are kind of scumbags, which is a very Samuel Fuller type of film where nobody's really good. Right. And you can see why like people at the time when this came out were like, oh, this is just gross and disgusting. I don't want to watch a movie like that. But it's a genuinely pretty good movie. It's I really really liked it. I uh, I have to admit this is the first Samuel Fuller Fuller movie I've ever seen. Ooh, I know. And I have I... such sights to show you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to the deep ones. Uh speaking of some <laughs> Hellraiser stuff. Um yeah, this was really cool and you know, it's one of those movies where I, I wish I saw this like uh my early twenties, it would have just scratched that like film noir itch like crazy. And it was like, Oh, this is where that shit came from. And, uh, all like the, the terminology, like just like little things that I just, it just, you know, uh, built the, the world and the story even more so. And just like everyone's role within the, the underworld, like, uh, Thelma Ritter, who is fucking fantastic in this movie. She plays a stool pigeon that gives out information to the cops to skip, to candy to like all these people bites are in the ass a little bit but uh like everyone uh like there's a nickname for pickpockets they're called cannons and i'm just like i don't even know exactly what the context is of that but i just fucking love that for whatever reason and god it like it was so much fun to watch it now it's actually a qu pretty quick wa uh, watch but the world is so rich that it actually felt a lot longer uh for whatever mm. reason but i could have just like stayed in the world as, as long as it wanted to. I was like, yeah, sure, yeah. let's do it. And oh, by the way, Thelma Ritter nominated six times for Best Supporting Actress without ever winning. Really? Uh, for a while, she actually had a tied record of that with some other actresses. Uh, let me see here. I had it in front of me in a minute. With um, Deborah Kerr and Amy Adams, one of three actresses that have done that and never won. Wow. But now, actually, Glenn Close has taken the top award with eight. <laughs> God almighty. Um yeah, and Richard Widmark. <laughs> I've I have never I I'm not, I'm not too familiar with him either, and 
I've never seen someone so smarmy, uh, like just crazy amount of smarm, and it is hysterical because you can see why he keeps getting cast in these type roles. Oh my god! Like it's like he is made for this role to be like who who can we get to play just a, a an asshole guy to the cops and honestly to everybody else too, but so oddly charming. I can't really place my finger on it, but I just. <laughs> Still love him. I have to kiss him. Uh, that is one of the few things that, um, I, d- I don't get sometimes, uh, with older films. Just like, oh my God, I'm so hard for you. I gotta just kiss you, even though you treat me like shit in front of my face all the time. Yeah. I mean, this is a very cynical film. Uh, it's yeah. very dark. It's very Samuel Fuller. One thing that people today go, well, that's uncomfortable with some of the, like, just, weird flag waving that happens at points in it against communism but Mm. it's cynical flag waving to the point that uh, j edgar hoover personally called this film out was like no that's an un-american film weirdly Hmm. yeah but anyway we it's it's criterion it's a great set it's really good upgrade it comes with an archival interview with samuel fuller uh talking about the film and his career there's a new program with critic Imogen Sarah Smith talking about the production of this and the career of everyone involved with it that was just produced. Cinema Cinemas, which is an archival French TV program with Sam Fuller talking about the film. That was awesome. Hollywood Radio Theater, which was a radio adaptation of Pickup on South Street that aired in 1954 on Radio Hollywood Radio Theater uh, with uh, Thelma Ritter doing Mo again, Terry Moore is Candy, but Stephen McNally playing Skip McCoy. There's a shit ton of trailers of movies here directed by Sam Fuller, which, like I said, he's got so many good movies. You really should really should check some of them out, especially my all-time favorite, Shock Corridor, which is great. Yeah, I was going to say that. That's what I should watch. Oh, yeah. Shock Corridor is fantastic. And then uh, a booklet with an essay by critic Angelica Jade Bastien and a chapter from Fuller's after his death, published 2002 audio autobiography, A Third Face, My Tale of Writing, Fighting, and Filmmaking. So, yeah, highly recommended for sure. All right. We're going to move on to some martial arts and fighting, sort of. Well, with sort the, of. Uh, sort of. Dumpy uh, martial arts. <laughs> with the Paper Tigers, which actually has been getting a lot of good buzz, which which kind of surprised me upon seeing it because as much as Wilgo Wilgo USA putting this out who puts out maybe 60 to 70% of the martial arts blu-ray releases coming out in America these days uh yeah cuz wasn't it, like we got two of those right <laughs> like the next yeah, one we talk about here in a minute I was like wait a minute it's the same company yeah they put out a lot of the the stuff that gets brought over here but this is was well talked about it's a martial arts comedy and sort of a God, what are those films I'm thinking about? Like where they take a bunch of older guys and bring them back for one last thing. It's like one of those type of stories. Oh, God. And I'm like, it's... oh, but nobody knows who any of these people are. So yeah, they're, they're, <laughs> kind of felt like they're a like, bunch of no is... names. And uh, and yeah, like I <laughs> I I kind of appreciate it. I thought it was actually kind of cute, uh, and I thought it was actually kind of fun. There was some problematic things in it uh that yes. i thought was like ooh, i don't know if you should be saying that and then i was trying to look up like when this movie came out i was like oh this is not really out yet uh and i was like yeah. oh man i i don't th- maybe they missed like something in translation or something i don't know for sure uh but yeah it's like 
the the first half of the movie or the first like i guess like 15 20 minutes is all about these three childhood friends that grow up learning kung fu from their sensei and like it's very rigid and like one of them who is danny the the lead guy he is like the ultimate badass and then 20 years later passes or no not 20 it's like what 30 or 40 or something like that it's like it's a long yeah. time they're like the older men now yeah yeah and yeah I- Go on. <laughs> no, go ahead. And now they, they've all separated, you know, they've all went their separate ways, but it does start off with that. And I guess it's not a spoiler. Is it like something happens to their sensei, like really bad? Uh, and then they're all kind of brought back into the fold to basically figure out what actually happened uh, to their sensei. So it's like a semi detective story, which was very loose. It's basically like they went that away. They went over there and they're like, okay. <laughs> And, uh, there's, there's a lot of room for, like, I'm using air quotes. I know I'm, this is an audio podcast, but like, there's a lot of room for com- comedic bits. And like, yeah. you, you guys sort of know what comedy is. There's a few points where like, they're, they're trying their damnedest. And, but it's very like 1997, fairly, fairly brothers kind of comedy. You're like, oh, you're, because it's a white guy in a, and, uh, you know, uh, a kung fu garb that's like oh he's gonna try to do some you know funny uh you know kung fu bits and like oh oh no well so like you said there's three guys danny whose thing is like he used to be the badass now he's like older and he has a family but his wife is has like separated from him and he's just trying to like make things work with his son but he's so busy with his job he can't make it work and then there is hang who is way out of shape uh who is the one who tells him look our sifu has died and I don't believe that he died of a heart attack, despite the fact that he smokes constantly in this movie. And when, when he's in it and they introduced to another, a third character here, who is the one guy who's in great physical shape, uh, like, uh, who also seems to not fight any better than the other two guys, weirdly, when they appear in stuff. And, he, and he's in know. like a gym. He, like, he, uh, uh, he, he sh- trains people. And I'm like, yeah, but when they actually get into having to fight, you're like, oh, you get your ass kicked just like these guys do. It felt weirdly uneven, you know, and also why make him be the one guy who is in great shape? It, it was weird. I thought it was odd and kind of was like a strange decision. And there's a thing where the guy who like the, that, uh, the main character used to regularly kick his ass, which they keep coming back to is kind of his nemesis, even though. It's one of those, like, a superhero has a pathetic nemesis who thinks they're they're his ultimate nemesis. Mm -hmm. Like, that thing, except that guy's stayed training, so now he's pretty good at what he does. Was our heroes not? But anyway, the upshot is they've got to go through a series of fights to get the information to find out who it is that took out their master. And it's all very, I don't know, by the numbers. There's some lightly funny moments. There's nothing really impressive with the fights. I mean, they're not terrible. They're or not anything, terrible. But they're not very what, what good I, either. What I do like about it is it is showing them like they're at least for Danny. Like the whole, you know, you've seen the story before. Like okay, he has to get his mojo back basically, and it's not as clear cut as what it you know normally you've seen in uh, like bigger movies where like it finally just clicks and like he just gets it back and he just kicks ass like not a hundred percent like he they and you know it, of course they're going to kind of sort of save the day but it doesn't work a hundred percent the way that like a normal big budget movie would like the barely makes it and yeah. they're like 
okay, I appreciated that it is being realistic because yeah, they're still older guys and like their knees are busted. <laughs> like they, they can barely like get up sometimes. And so, and, and also they're just dealing with their own anxieties about like their life and like, Oh my God, I can't really do these things anymore. And I, I did appreciate that, that it wasn't like they were just going to Bruce Willis it, uh, like by the end of the movie and just like save the day. Like, yeah, we got this shit. And yeah, like, but they kind of did though. It's it, not, like magically not... everybody suddenly remembers how to be a badass again. And I'm like, okay, sort of like they, they do ish. And I think it was still like one thing he just got down and that was it. And then like it was almost the rest of it was luck. And yeah. I appreciated that. I kind of liked the uh, movie. I thought it was kind of cute. I would probably never watch this again. <laughs> but, no. but uh, there are a few little behind the scenes thing. There's about 11, 12 minutes of behind the scenes stuff. Some, uh, tw- strangely, 23, more than 23 minutes of deleted scenes, seven and a half minutes of bloopers mm. in the original trailer. Uh, so if you do like this, there's a lot of bonus features that make it worth watching. And I can't, it's not a terrible film. It's just like, if you watch a lot of movies and, and, and any degree of like, like if you've seen the Karate Kid films and then you watch this, you'll go, why wouldn't I just watch the Karate Kid films? Kind of, you know, like I, it's not like the same thing, but it's aiming for that audience. This is all in English. This is not despite yeah. Wellgo usually doing Asian stuff. It's like all in English. So it's like meant to go. I don't know if it's meant to tell kids, hey, wouldn't it be cool if you take karate classes or something? I don't know. Uh, it didn't do anything for me, quite frankly. I, but let's move on to our next one, which was a proper martial arts film, I guess, which is Undercover Punch and Gun, which was originally released in festivals and in theaters as Undercover versus Undercover, which I guess is a better name, but is kind of a spoiler. This is a I guess. weird little martial arts film that I don't totally understand what they were aiming for here. It's. <sighs> it felt like it's like a, a sequel to something that I haven't yeah. seen before. And like, and it's got lots of familiar people. If you want lots of, uh, martial arts films, Philip Nig, uh, NG, I'm not sure how to pronounce that. I've, I've said that multiple times on digital noise and I probably should just look it up. Ing? But, uh, Philip NG. It's Ing. <laughs> yeah. Plays undercover cop. And when it starts, we're like, oh, he's locked in a box that has a bomb in it, except it's not a bomb. The timer goes off and he's like, ha ha, I fooled you. What? What was that? <laughs> this is a, a weird, goofy martial arts movie that every once in a while has a martial arts scene that really does kind of pay off. We're like, oh, that was kind of cool. Yeah. Like, they're like, to, like halfway write. with some of the, the, the takes and the action sequences. Like they're like, let's actually place the camera down. I'll actually watch them do this. Like, oh, well, they're actually doing this stuff. And then it still do a lot of like quick cuts every now and then. I'm like, no, just stop. Stop doing that. Like you have people that actually can do these things. Let's right. just still, you know, take the camera down and just like watch the shit. Well, it's like the main character, he's undercover with a drug ring and oh, his dude. boss. I, I'm actually, a, I'm, I'm going to be quite impressed if you can actually tell us what this, the, the plot is, because this I'm is trying fucking as confusing. best as I can. Uh, so he's undercover with a drug ring and the drug ring gets taken out by another group of, of criminals. And I'm not entirely sure from memory what exactly that was all about. <laughs> Something about shipping people uh human you know uh people for sex or something sex trafficking something like that yeah Yeah. sexual trafficking i 
it's very confusing how all of the elements of this tie in together, but he's got this guy who's kind of like, you know, the younger brother in the gang who looks up to him. He's like, everybody in our gang is dead. I'm with you no matter what. And his, the cops that he works for is like, what are you doing, man? You're going off the fucking reservation, you know, as you do. And he goes to theoretically work for the other guys. I don't know, man. It's just, all I can tell you is that there are some fun moments in there. There's some cool female action stuff in here that I really was one of my favorite things here as well. Uh, There's a, like if it's a crazy fucking plot that makes no sense. It keeps making goofy decisions along the way. Uh, It felt like Wong Jing directed this, but he did not, but it felt like one of his films. So it was like, ah, nobody cares about the plot. We just got to keep it moving and make sure people keep like doing stuff that you won't expect. There's stuff that's cool, but overall it felt like it was cheaply shot like, uh, were these cameras not good was a feel I got from it? Yeah, like, uh, I don't know. Like, I, I saw some of the behind-the-scenes stuff. I guess that was in the um, the credit sequence. It was basically showing you how they put a lot of the stunts together. And, mm. yeah, the, the it, it looked pretty cheap uh, for the most part. Like, yeah, they, they didn't have the best lighting in the world. They just thought, like, no. gels would just be cool, and that was about it. <laughs> like, they just did a lot of things, like, in... Yeah, uh, the orange lighting gels and like, okay, okay, we, we see what you're trying to do here. But I like, I did appreciate some of the martial arts, uh, in the movie. And I did like, um, what was the sidekicks character's name? Was that, um, is that Andy on? I forget when, you who- know what? I just don't remember offhand, but I think it was Andy on and he was, would have been one of the best parts about it, except he so totally overplays it. Like, yes, constantly, like he's trying to be the comic relief. And it's so really just like, what are you thinking over the top insane and not in a way that's funny, just like nobody, everybody else is playing this straight. And you're the like Jim Carrey and Ace Ventura and amongst a cast yes. that's playing it straight. And what are you doing? I, I don't know why, but I couldn't wait to see him again, though, because it because everyone else for how ludicrous the plot was and everyone was so fucking fucking serious and then he comes yeah. in like hey i'm going to cook meth and like it was like wait what <laughs> and uh like there were some things that he did it was like this is so wild and stupid that i yeah. kind of fell in love with him <laughs> cuz he was at least taking me out of the movie because some of the, the, the plot ends up becoming kind of boring because you're just like, what? Who the fuck is the bad guy? And who's the good guy now? Like it is like if infernal affairs, like if they heard of infernal affairs and then they were just like, uh, let's do that. Let's try to do that, but put Jim you know, Carrey in it. You bring up an important point there, right? You guys should just watch infernal affairs instead. Oh yeah. Uh, and Infernal Affairs 2, which I always say is the godfather 2 of Hong Kong cinema. Like, that that one's like, okay, Infernal Affairs, that was amazing, right? That blew you away. It blew Martin Scorsese away so much that he remade it in America. But the original is just unassailable. It's fantastic. The sequel, I'm always like, Scorsese, what the fuck? <laughs> like, here's your, here's your godfather. Here's mm-hmm. your chance to do the second one. Because the second uh, Infernal Affairs is 
equally as terrific, if not even better than the first one. Yeah. I've never seen the third one. I heard it's not so good. I, I, I remember seeing all three of them like years and years ago back at, uh, working at Waterloo video days. But, uh, I demand, I have not seen those movies in a very long time. But yeah, I remember well, seeing like Infernal Affairs once. I was like, holy shit, let's talk about that movie instead. But, uh, and why isn't anyone re-releasing a 4K or at least a Blu-ray version of that film? Just put the whole fucking trilogy on 4K. Why the hell not? I think there might even be a fourth one. I don't even know, but you know. Oh, weird. You know, you know how these things go. Let's move on to an action film that everybody does already know about. We've in fact talked about on Screener Squad. I, I was have. on the review for this one. Were you on the review for this? I, I can't was. even remember. Were you? Okay. Yeah. So you remember Nobody, uh, this film that came out this year, directed by Ilya Nyshuler, was starring Bob Odenkirk, Connie Nielsen, the RZA, and Christopher Lloyd, was a film that everybody was raving about, and I was the guy kind of holding back a little bit, going like, yeah, I mean, I liked it. Don't get me wrong. I liked it. I just don't – I'm not with you guys with the super high praise of it either. Well – now that's on 4K, and I did, in fact, sit and rewatch it, despite how recently before that I had watched it, mm-hmm. I was like, I guess I need to give this another chance. I mean, like, it still was a movie I enjoyed enough I definitely wanted to watch again at some point, but everybody was so much higher rating it than me. I was like, I'll watch it again. It's because be you're honest, wrong, the second Chris. Time I, I, the second time I watched it, I like it a lot more than the first time. Uh Nobody is a really fun John Wick adjacent, and I mean that literally, they're actually discussing making a film that crosses over not not nobody and John Wick now. Like, they are literally discussing really? the possibility. Yes. They are literally discussing the possibility of that happening, of wow. them being in the same universe. Which isn't really that surprising, well, once you reach the halfway point of nobody. Because in the <laughs> beginning, you'd go, How? <laughs> but this is from the writer of John Wick, Derek Kolstad, who it definitely feels to some extent like he took some ideas that maybe he was planning for a John Wick film and put them here instead with Bob Odenkirk playing Hutch Mansell. And he's a everyday Joe. Literally the, the, the montage in the beginning of the film is like Monday, this same shit, Tuesday, this same shit, Wednesday, this same shit, taking out the trash, you know, trying to t- stay in shape, doing accountancy at his crappy job, just totally boring existence. And he's got two kids who don't really respect him, a wife who he doesn't seem to have a sexual relationship with anyway, anymore. And his burglars break into his home with the whole family there. Uh, he has a chance to take advantage of the situation with the help of his son. And he turns it down and he goes, no, you just, just leave guys. Just let him go. Just go. We don't want any violence. We don't want violence to happen here. And it feels like this movie is going to go into a falling down with Michael Douglas way. Like, oh, this is going to be a movie about a guy who feels totally emasculated because his family's like, I can't believe you did that. The cops are like, if it was my family, you know, that type of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And instead, it turns out to be a John Wick. Con- I'm not going to say clone because it's not. John Wick is not humorless, but humor is not the strong point of it. This is more, much more of a comedy action thing where it's like, oh, guess what? Bob Odenkirk, the reason he didn't want to get into violence is because he escaped a life of excessive violence by wanting to live a normal life. He doesn't want back to that, but you push a guy too far and he's got to flip the switch on them John Wick skills and (laughs) kill every motherfucker who gets in his way. And I like that it's essentially doing that, but it's doing it with more of a smirk and a nod. Yeah. And like we're aware of these other movies, like we're playing with the concept in a slightly different way. And it's still fun. At worst, the stunts 
are feel a little over edited because I mean, despite and I didn't know this watching the bonus features, which are very much worth watching. Yeah. Bob Odenkirk worked crazy overtime. Yeah. Like crazy. He worked for this for like what? Two years? Something like that? Two. Yeah. He trained his fucking ass off to be able to do the physical stuff in this film. Cause I figured a lot of it was like, okay, there's just a stunt performer in there. And I mean, there are points where because of insurance reasons, there has to be, of course. Right. Like I'm sure he wasn't thrown through the bus window, but <laughs> like, but he did the bulk of his own stunts yeah. and it's largely convincing and I'm full massive credit to Odenkirk, who I didn't know before this, this, this bonus feature on here that really goes into that. It's like, yeah, he is, uh, super into this, really wants to do a great job. Like, like they're like, you should do this many hours a day. And he's doing like three times that many hours. And a day. that's what's so fun about this is that I- I'm just a huge Odenkirk and David Cross fan of Mr. Show. And just, I love him so much from, you know, Break Bad, A Better Call Saul, blah, blah, blah. But, uh, you know, the type of person that he is, and I've watched, you know, interviews with him before he ever did like Nobody and just the type mm-hmm. of like actor and then also writer and director that he is. He is a perfectionist. And that, that's the whole, the, the, if you've ever seen like bloopers or anything from, or even just like Mr. Show when he just yells out, God, damn it and like he doesn't even in this like that is a catchphrase because that's actually more making fun of himself because he does that in real life when he's trying to be like on set and something's not going right and he's like god damn it so in here (laughs) it's it's really great to see him like i i'm i've been given this crazy chance to show that I, you know, I, I get the idea, like, cause the idea is, is it either like nobody came first or was it that, oh, wouldn't it be funny if Bob Odenkirk was in a action movie? Like, I can't tell which one was first. Maybe it was kind of going on the same time, the same path, but he took it and he ran with it like crazy. And I really commend him for it with like all the behind the scenes stuff of him training yeah. his ass off like crazy. Cause all of it looks really great and convincing. And I get him as this older action guy. Like, and he's, it's, you know, not every fight is going to be in his, you know, a hundred percent his favor. Like the, uh, I would, I don't know if it's a famous bus scene now, but him kicking the ass of like all those five or six guys, but like he gets the shit kicked out of him too. Like it's not just it's brutal. It's pretty brutal. <laughs> and yeah. so, you know, he walks away from him and just like, <laughs> like, thanks for your time or <laughs> whatever he says to the bus lady. Uh, but, I, I still kind of loved it. I thought it was still really fun. And honestly, I didn't know that I needed this in my life, but, uh, having the, the RZA and Christopher Lloyd having a buddy, like, action movie together, I was like, yes, yeah. please. Let's see that next time. I mean, I'll just watch a spinoff if they do that about the two of those guys. Oh my God. Out, quite frankly. So there are, uh, about five minutes of deleted scenes. Nothing that's really essential Mm-mm. to be fair uh there's about four minutes of hutch hits hard which is the one i'm recommending here which is him them specifically talking about bob odenkirk's physical training there's uh a breaking down the action which takes several scenes the action scenes in the movie and really goes into bit by bit how they did it and i recommend that as well for action fans especially ones like trying to come with uh, come at films like john wick or this and go how do they do that and make it so convincing they make do a really good job of explaining that there's just a nobody for about 13 minutes 
which is more of a general look at the picture. And there's two audio commentaries, one with Bob Odenkirk and the director and one with just the director. So I really do think that, I mean, it's not a disc I expected they would load up with bonus features, but they really loaded it up with bonus features and well-chosen ones that I I was kind of surprised that it was as good as it was. But we're going to move on to our last film that we're discussing this week which is the new dc animated universe long-awaited batman the long halloween part one because somebody decided this needed to be two parts despite the fact that part one of this even in the graphic novel is a little bit of a slog yeah (laughs) it it really was a while to get get where they're going in this and this is from the jeff loeb tim sale written book that a lot of people call one of the greatest batman graphic novels and i always thought it was just okay but you know i'm not a i'm not a jeff loeb fan oh really fan i mean i i uh i remember reading the the graphic novel years and years ago and i didn't really remember what happened and then it was all kind of starting to come back to me as soon as the the calendar man came in like oh oh yes okay now i remember all this kind of stuff but um yeah it's kind of a slog uh (laughs) and Uh, yeah i don't like i don't know if maybe it's just me being an an older man which i'm not that old but i just go back to my animated series days uh the batman animated series back in the 90s and like why in the living fuck I, i don't know i all the new Batman movies and Superman movies, they don't look as good as those shows for some reason. I just don't get it. And I I wish they just looked the same <laughs> for some reason. It's it's a very different style of animation, those original Batman the Animated Series yeah. and Batman Beyond, of going for a totally different look. And I'll admit, they're going to try and recreate Tim Sale's look here. And I think they got it right better than most of these animated films have when they're trying to imitate the look of the original uh, comic. And maybe because Tim Sale's style is a little more um, simplistic. I, I don't know, but I thought they got that right, but they were definitely aiming for a specific style based on that. Yeah. The story follows uh, Johnny Vitti, who's the nephew of a, the famous mob boss in this, in Batman, Carmine Falcone, voiced by uh, Titus Welliver. So the nephew gets murdered on Halloween night. James Gordon, played by Billy Burke, and Harvey Dent, who's not a bad guy at this point, but played by Josh uh, Duhamel. And Batman, voiced by, yay, Jensen Ackles from Supernatural, even though I watched so much Supernatural that I kept going... That's the guy from Supernatural, <laughs> not Batman. Uh, they find, like, a warehouse full of laundered money, Catwoman... Played by Naya Rivera, sadly, in her final film role. She died saving her child's uh, life from drowning, but she herself drowned. Very, very sad. Just happened relatively recently. Um, They're trying to do this investigation, which this is like more Batman as a detective than like, you know, a guy who's got billions of dollars to spend on techno devices. Gordon's got young children at that point. Dent is having problem with his wife, Gilda, played by Julian Matheson. And Bruce Wayne is kind of sort of dating Selena Kyle, right? And then they found out that there's somebody killing people on all holidays because Thanksgiving, somebody dies, Christmas Day, somebody dies, and they all seem to be mob connected. Uh, they 
go, this has got to have something to do with Calendar Man, right? Played by David Dastmalchian, who's at that point in Arkham Asylum, who's like, yeah, I think I know who it is, who gives him hints, but isn't really going to tell him who it is, that they're kind of calling Holiday for the the time period. So they're like, oh, what about the Joker, Troy Baker? Uh, It could be Carmine Falcone himself, rival crime boss Sal Moroni, played by Jim Peary, and a few others, including, of course, because we know who Harvey Dent is and becomes, you're eyeing Harvey Dent as well. There's a bunch of other shit going on, but really, this is a pretty straightforward, with the exception of a couple, like, halfway sexy Batman chasing Catwoman across the the city rooftops <laughs> scenes, not really much of a Batman movie as far as it goes. It's like... It's okay. It's a slow burn and lots of shit happens in the second half of the story, which is coming out very shortly. I have it sitting in my house right now. I just haven't. Oh, you do? Oh, man. I, I actually. Yeah, I I liked it. Okay, I just want to get to the the second half because I I remember what happens. I'm like, well, that's what all the really fun stuff. (laughs) Like, that's all the cool stuff. And here the only man, uh, David, uh, how do you pronounce it? Dalmatian? Dalmatian. Him playing the calendar man is like, uh, like, uh, just a beautiful casting and like his voice and everything. It's like, wow, he was made to voice that role. That was perfect. Yeah, agreed. And it was, yeah. and play Batman villains in general because it's not his first time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. Um, he gets to play calendar man here soon. Um, oh, not calendar man, uh, uh, polka dot man. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, um, it, I was cool-ish. Uh, like, I, I liked, uh, I actually liked, um, Josh, uh, Duhamel, uh, as Harvey Dent. I like, I do love that, the, the, the style of, of them, like the, um, like he just seems like a little bit bigger than he really should be. Uh, and like, even his, uh, his fiance or his wife, uh, who, I forget her name. What's her name again? It's, uh, Gilda, Gilda. Um, yeah. I love her style, like her hair and everything. Like it just it totally invokes the comic again. I was like, oh yeah, I remember like all these different styles of these people. But um, yeah, it's a, it's definitely a slow burn to like detect a story, and um, yeah, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just no. not what you expect from the DC animated universe. And it's directed by the guy who did the when they okay, so they recently wrapped up the entire previous universe the way DC does with their comics. Like oh, and now we're rebooting everything with new stuff, uh. and their first thing they did was superman man of tomorrow which sounded on the face of it like it was going to be terrible but i was like this is actually one of the best dc animated universe films i've seen in a long time it's really good oh yeah great animation style great direction so i was like oh same guy is doing that is doing this chris palmer it's like okay i get it he's trying to accomplish something different here and i feel like they've all been given a directive we're going a different way now than we were and i i don't know if this is a thing you'd want to watch just by itself. You go like, okay, I think I need to see both to get it. Cause it feels, I mean, it obviously it's unfinished. It's part one, but it's not satisfying on its own. No, it's definitely not like this. This is what sucks. It's just, yeah. I, I just wish it was just like a, make it just a two and a half hour movie then. Like, or just make it a, a mini series for God says like, who cares? And like to make it like one movie and another, like you're just trying to sell me a Blu-ray, aren't you? <laughs> And like, well, yeah, <laughs> you, you, you got yeah. us. You got us. I will say one of the person, Troy Baker as Joker. I have mm. never seen anyone invoke Mark Hamill like that before. <laughs> like I was kind of blown away about like, I thought he was like, is he just doing Mark Hamill? Like it definitely sounds like that. He's just only doing that. 
Well, Mark Hamill is the high bar for Joker voice acting. No question. Yeah, of course. But it was <laughs> yeah. it was crazy, like because I've seen other people kind of do their own rendition of Joker, but it sounded like he was just really trying to mimic like Mark Hamill's Joker for the most part. And I, honestly, it worked really well. I thought I was like, this is pretty good. Honestly, my only problem here was with Jensen Ackles as Batman in terms of voice acting. And that was only because I know he's using the same voice he uses for Dean in Supernatural. Yeah. Half grumbly sort of voice. When he's Bruce Wayne, he's just fine. Like he sounds, I I can't even tell that's Jensen Ackles really without thinking about it. But the moment he slips into Batman, I'm like, that's just Dean from Supernatural (laughs) (laughs) doing the same fucking voice. I don't know. I know that's if you don't watch Supernatural, it won't bother you at all. And it's not like it's a bad performance. It's just. It's not bad. I I think it's it's more forgettable than anything else like i don't think he's gonna be going like oh, we should have gotten jensen ackles this entire time as batman animated but like eh, give me a uh, one reason to actually get this is because it adds another dc dc showcase animated short this time a uh, one that was so obscure even i didn't know about it based on a previous comic series from 1969 from dc called the losers that later in 2004 was relaunched as a completely different thing uh in on vertigo i which i did not care for that the vertigo version of it but this original story was like a bunch of world war ii people like uh, very sergeant rock type shit like military guys with crazy names and special not like mutant abilities but specialities i mean it's gi joe you know mm-hmm. type thing and they're on an uncharted south pacific island that has dinosaurs and shit looking for missing scientists and i, I liked it i was like oh i like this better than the movie it's 16 <laughs> minutes long i had a great time but it was my level of goofy yeah, um, I watched some of the other like behind the the scenes stuff, just like the making of it, and um, I guess they've been working on it for a long time. But yeah, all this really did in the end was just kind of make me long for more, or at least just I want to watch part two. And well, yeah, uh, I just want to finish a story for God's sakes. Come on, don't give me half a stop doing this shit. Where oh, we're adapting a famous thing, so we want to make twice as much money off it. Just fucking like put it out on one goddamn disc. I don't care if it is three, three and a half hours long. Sell it for more, whatever. Don't put it out in two parts. That's just annoying. Yeah, it's that's what I think. That's the my the final criticism of this movie. It's just slightly annoying that they did it yeah. in just one movie. <laughs> Well, that brings us to the end of our show, right? But the one thing we do every week is a pick of the week. And I'm, I think I just have to call that it's nobody 4K, which is such a great movie anyway, but it probably would have been pick up on South Street, except that nobody's such a good movie. And they did a great job with the special features, which yeah. is so rare for first releases of home release stuff on, on a Hollywood releases. Usually it's like bare bone DPK shit. And I'm like, I genuinely liked the bonus features on here that added a lot to your experience of watching the film. Yeah. It, it seemed like they, they did everything right with the movie, like the, the, the marketing behind it. The, I think that, um, the the only thing that did that I don't think they did very well was like the trailers itself just made it seem like oh he is John Wick so there you don't get that kind of surprise that's like oh he he he's yeah. a, he's an actual badass like I I didn't know I thought it was gonna be more of like a falling down I loved it if I didn't know going into it that it was gonna be like what is who is he actually really but then the trailers like no he's just the ultimate badass I'm like oh, okay goddamn it but I think they did everything right with the DVD as well it's just like no we. We wanted it to showcase that he, he did all these things. He gave a damn about this that I think he was very much involved with like just even like the making of the movie itself as well. And so I think a lot of it just is because of him and everyone just really appreciating the idea that, yeah, let's give an older guy who's also just having 
the best post career of comedy ever anyway, just to give <laughs> his own thing. It's like, yeah, he can lift some weights too and throw a punch. And uh, let's showcase that shit on a, a glorious 4K disc, you know, chock full of crap. Um, I mean, not that going like going into more serious stuff or a very different career turn for comedians when they reach a certain age is kind of par for the course or at least attempting to. Sure. Like ever since Robin Williams, everybody's like, "Ooh, maybe I should do that. <laughs> you know, Bill Murray has his own version where he's like, it's still comedies, but, you know. Not the same kind of comedies at all. Right. Like darker. Like for Bob Odenkirk, maybe it's going to be action. I kind of hope he tries other stuff too. That's, I'd love to see Bob Odenkirk as the lead in a fucking like blood and guts horror movie. That would be awesome. But anyway, this is great. They do the 4K transfer is terrific. Looks great. Like it just, they just kind of nailed it. Um, and the bonus features are well worth it. So pick of the week. Check out right on other Screener Squad and Highly Suspect reviews, as well as on his own show, Trash in the Can, which eventually new ones will be on one of us, just not yet. <laughs> not Once yet. he gets his shit together and finds the theme okay, song. Okay, well, I'll, I'll figure it out soon enough, goddammit. <laughs> and we'll see you soon with another episode coming up real soon of Digital Noise. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.